The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. And we welcome you to the program today, Afternoons with Mike Heard Daily here on The Shepherd. It is my privilege today to have an author, a speaker. He's an evangelist. He's a businessman. He's a marketplace minister. He's all of those things. Jack Alan Levine, it's so great to have you with us. Hey, Mike, my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, and this is really great. You know, I know you're a friend and have been for a while with our dear friend, Mark Goldstein. Love Mark. He's inspired me uh, since the day I met him. And in my meeting with both you and Mark, I learned that you're both from a Jewish background and uh, you come from the New York area. You've ended up in Florida, but... You know, I think a lot of people in New York are ending up in Florida these days. I'm sure you're finding that. Uh, fortunately, I got there ahead of them in 1985, <laughs> not necessarily for the right reasons. But yeah, we, we were brought up Jewish and uh, it was, you know, wonderful experience. I wasn't really a practicing Jew at the time. My family went to temple once a year on Yom Kippur. Um, my brother got by misfit. I didn't want to and my parents didn't force me. And in hindsight, I wish I had. I wish I had that knowledge. And I went back and learned it after I got exposed and experienced Jesus Christ. I want to know all of it. So mm-hmm. I love the Old Testament. I love the Torah. I love the book of Isaiah and the Psalms and Leviticus. It's all great. Um, but I didn't have that background as a kid. Hmm. And you're from the New York. Is this like a Manhattan area? New yeah, York? we were uh, raised in Westchester, but I worked on Madison Avenue for oh, a large wow. ad agency. So yeah. I was in the city a lot. It was not a great time in New York City. It was a lot of crime and a lot of fear. Um, it cleaned up after I left from Mayor Bloomberg and after that, and now it's gone downhill again. Yeah. Uh, but thank God for Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Very grateful to live here. But it also showed me um, what I don't want, you know, and, and I, I tell people in business, I say, listen, you know, you got to get your experience up front first. So after I left Madison Avenue, I could go anywhere. Um, but, you know, you, so you start there. If somebody wants to be an actor or an actress, you got to go to LA. I mean, you can't be in Des Moines, Iowa, no disrespect to Des Moines or Syracuse and expect to hit it big. Mm-hmm, You're probably right. not going to. you got to yeah. go where the action is for what you want. And that's why musicians like to go to Nashville for yeah. the same reason. Even though there are more musicians, as they used to say, pumping gas at the <laughs> gas stations than you can shake a stick at, that's still yeah. what people do, and it's by and large what they need to do to network and to get into the studios, meet the executives, if they're going to make it in the music business professionally. Right. That's what they do often. And I think there was an edge to the Northeast. Um, I saw when I came down from Florida, I had a big TV production company. We had 200 employees. I would have fired 180 of them on the spot if I could have found somebody better to replace them. And and what that, that, I just wasn't used to a level of mediocrity of people not caring so much. In the Northeast, whether it was good or bad, I'm not here to say. But all I know is if you didn't do your job, there were 12 people behind you to take that job in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And, and down South, it was a different mentality. Now, I love Florida. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'd rather be here and have the people who you know aren't as motivated, aren't committed. And I'm not saying they all weren't, but it was hard to find people who were just willing to work hard to get the job done to what I call the key to business is do whatever it takes. Hmm. There's not a limit. Now to that end, there's a lot of people today, even in New York or the big cities, what would be called the the blue states, let's say. They're they're finding it as well as we are down south. It's hard to get people to work today. 
Uh, some of my buddies who are in restaurants, major restaurant chains are, are closing in New York. They, they can't make it anymore. Your minimum wage is up high and they can't make margins. It's very hard to get people to work. Staffing today. is a real we issue. It, I see it in Staples. I see it in Taco Bell. Uh, we're going through. There's somebody standing there. But I'm telling you, Mike, they're looking at their phone. They don't care. And I'm not being disrespectful to the person. I'm just stating a fact. They don't care about the job. Mm-hmm. They don't care about the people. They don't care about service. <laughs> it, it, it's a tough game. You know, I, my wife and I were at uh, one of the theme parks recently. We went down for the afternoon, and we went to eat at one of the restaurants down there. And I won't say the guy was rude, mm. but I will say that he was completely detached <laughs> yeah. who was waiting on us, who was taking, you know, we were checking out with him. And I, I'm not sure I ever got more than a grunt out mm. of him, even though I tried to engage him. Yep. And I'm thinking, you know, there was a day when you would come to one of Orlando's theme parks That's right. and they were all trained and they were all very active yep. in welcoming and making you feel like you're the, the king of the hill. Yeah. yeah, it was mandatory. It was part of the, the culture and, and the job. And, and I think that should be you know, mandatory for us as Christians too, just to, you know, to bring that in, that there's a certain attitude and, 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 you know, charisma that we should bring to people in life. It doesn't mean you have to be a type A personality and talk fast. You can be quiet and shy, but it just means that people can see that your focus is God, that you love God, that you are about love and peace and joy. It doesn't mean you won't ever have a bad day. And, and Mike, the, the example I use is, is baseball. You know, um, baseball players miss seven out of 10 times and they're the greatest in the world. Mm-hmm. Only in Christianity do we condemn ourselves anytime we miss. And that's Satan condemning us. You know, God says there's no condemnation. That's for really a great point. Yeah. 300 is not a bad right. average. So I look yeah. at it, Mike, and, and people say to me, Jack, you're the happiest guy. I know. And I say, I am so happy. I lived one way for 33 years of the world was miserable. I found God. I've been happy, the greatest life ever. But I look at it, look, I won't win every day. But if I can win eight or nine of the 10 days, most of the time, wow. man, and that's, I occasionally have a bad day, sometimes two in a row, but usually not more than that. Yeah. Why? Because a hundred percent of the time I've trained myself to default back to the truth of God. I don't have to spend a month in the wilderness searching for the truth anymore because it's always God. I, I've heard I'm coming back. It's always the truth of God. Mm-hmm. And, and that's my default setting. Like you have one on the phone or the TV or the radio. I'm just defaulting to the word of God. I, I, I was a gambling addict as well in my day, Mike. And uh, I've put all my chips in on God. You know, there's no other bet mm-hmm. for me. Now, you tell us a little bit about the ad, the addiction that you had. And I know yep. that you were one of those students that graduated high school early. Yep. Tell us a little bit about the road that uh, you took that ended up in addiction. Yeah, I wanted to graduate early. I wanted to get out of my hometown and see the world. And uh, I started smoking pot at 16 years old, went to college at 17th Syracuse University. It was a big party school. I did well in school. I got a dual degree in advertising and sociology, but my partying increased as well. And after a year or a year and a half, um, I really got addicted. In the beginning, it was great. I mean, it was, you know, you made you happy, you made you outgoing, but like anything else, it, it was just a lie. Mm-hmm. It's the lie of addiction. The big lie of addiction is I'm your friend. I understand you. I can comfort you. You'd say, why would somebody keep doing drugs? The answer is just comfort and familiar pain, mm-hmm. as sad as it is. So, and I, another part is you think that you can handle it. Yeah, you, you don't even know at some right. point. I came to a point where I realized one day, some years in from cocaine, which really destroyed me, that I was over the line, that I just couldn't get back anymore. That I realized that you couldn't invite Satan in, play with him, and tell him when it was time to leave. 
Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and uh, I learned well the hard said. way. I really felt like I really was an animal caught in a trap, and I saw Satan pulling me down into the pit. And uh, thankfully, you know, in due time, God delivered me. God was ready to take it from me earlier. It took me three years after I got saved to give my drug addiction to God. God went area by area in my life, and when we got to the drugs, he was like, and I, I don't want to give it up. And, and I realized that there, there was a test in college. Uh, they did of monkeys, and in the lab, they would give them a cocaine lever and a food lever. And until they die, they would hit the cocaine lever. And they knew the food lever was food. And I look at this as, as our life in, in Christ. Like, here's the sin lever, and here's the God lever of life. And I think people are looking at Christ, the God lever, going, well, it'll be there. I can always hit it. And they're hitting the sin lever and the sin lever, and then they're dying, and it's too late. Wow. That's a great illustration. You know, that I've never thought of uh, this <laughs> illustration you gave earlier about baseball and the average of batters. Yeah. You know, even some of the greats, as great as they were, like a Ted Williams. Yeah, 400, right? 400, and that's still four out of 10. Right. Failed six, six out, out of ten. ten times. He probably struck out or yeah. grounded out. Yeah. I say, can you imagine, you know, Tom Brady going home after the Super Bowl and, and you know, saying, I stink after he won? Why? Yeah. Well, I missed that pass in the third quarter. Yeah, but you won the championship. Yeah. And I think we're too hard on ourselves as Christians. God, God never asked us to be perfect. He yeah. just asked us to be faithful, to be true, to strive to be like him. Roberto Clemente, an old ball player, used mm -hmm. to say, always set high goals for yourself. If you fall short, no one will ever be disappointed. And I think we do the same thing. Yes, our, our desire is to be like Jesus and be holy. And we're trying to the day we die to do that. And we, and we want to practice and get better. Look, if I can't hit a curveball, I have two choices. I either practice and get better or I'm off the team. So if another guy can hit a curveball and he doesn't need to practice, good for him. It's not, oh, well, he can do it. I need to do what I need to do to the level I need to be at to play on that team. And it's the same with God and Christianity. Wow. You're a baseball player too. I love baseball. Let me guess, second base? Second base. Oh, uh, you look like a second baseman to me. You got uh, me, I kid. played you ball uh, a lot right. growing up. Where did you, you play? What you position? Look like, I played first base. All right. And I did some pitching. So you were a slugger uh, too. Yeah, yeah, well, not that much, uh, uh, but I was I was okay. But uh, I, you just look like the guy that would sweep up the ball and, and yep. be involved in those double plays and all of that. Yep. That's why you looked, you yep. struck me as that, man. I, that's I awesome. love that. I, I love yeah, that's action. funny. Uh, you know, th that's such a great illustration because we we often refer to life as the game of life, you know, and we're all in some ways on that team. We're all doing the very best that we think we can do. But it's not until you find the Lord that you're really going to be uh, hitting on all cylinders, so to speak. I think it's a perspective shift, Mike. I think I think all of life is like that. Um, what do I mean? I, I, like, let's say I brought you to Disney and for you, that was the greatest place in the world or a Bruce Springsteen concert, and you love Bruce. And I bring you to Disney, uh, you get out of the car, and I say, hey, we're here, and you go, oh, you're the greatest guy ever, you brought me to Disney, and I go, the park closes in an hour. You have two choices now. You can either start kicking the ground and go, I can't believe this, you stink, you brought me to the greatest place ever, and I only have an hour. Or, what I hope you would do, what I would do is go, great, let me out of the car, I wanna ride as many rides as possible in the time I have. This is our life on earth. You can mm -hmm. choose to you know, look at the good and enjoy. I mean, we're going to heaven, we have eternity. What do we have to worry about? What could possibly be our worry? I mean, mm -hmm. what we're passing through on earth, God said, I'm with you always, I'll never leave you or forsake you. All things are working together for your good. He told us, be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, which marries Romans 8, 28, right? God's working everything for our good. Yes. And, and if I, I'm a father, I have three kids. Every single thing I do for my kids is for their blessing and benefit, whether they know it or not. My kid is, is three years old. He's crawling across our big bed and I'm pulling him back and he's crying. 
And he's thinking, Daddy, why are you doing this? You must not love me. If you love me, you'd let me go. Mm-hmm. No, Sean, it's because I love you that I hold That's you. Right. And when we see God in that way and we realize yeah. that God loves us and is doing everything for our benefit, we can relax and trust and, and enjoy. You know, I've heard you use the expression, Jack, the Lord spoke to me. And then you, you're quick. And I like the way you're quick to clarify that it's not like you're talking about an audible voice, but it may as well have been for you an audible voice. It was that clear. Share a little bit of uh, your experience in hearing from God. Sure. Um, I always knew there was a God. And uh, when I came to know Jesus and I started to read his word, and remember, God says, you know, the word is God. The word is alive. God is love. And God promises that when I accepted him and everybody who accepts him upon salvation, the Holy Spirit's in my heart. And that's my guarantee, my deposit of of my place in heaven. And he says, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. So God's word is alive. I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan. I probably mentioned Mm -hmm. that. So I go to a lot of Bruce concerts. Why would I go to hear the same thing? I've heard the songs. I know all the words. I've seen it before. Why would I go time and time again? Why would I make love to my wife time and time again when I've done it? Why would I eat pizza time and time again? Why? Because it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's great. I love it. It's amazing. And that's how I feel about God. I don't understand how people like aren't like as excited to, to God. He's alive. It's real. The Holy Spirit is speaking either when I read the word, a lot of times through the word, through pastor's messages, through song, through circumstance, through, through just deep in your heart. God says, you, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. We talked about that. And he says in Jeremiah, um, call on me. I'll show you great and mighty things you mm-hmm. didn't know. Yeah. But there's a requirement. You know, we got to seek him with all our heart. We got to call on him. I, I give the example of somebody who went to college. Say, hey, I got into college. I said, great, what'd you learn? Nothing, why? I didn't go to class. Oh. (laughs) Wait a minute now. (laughs) People wonder why they're not living the abundant Christian life, why they're not overflowing with joy and peace. Why? God says there's things you gotta do. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. There's things required of you before he directs your paths. That really explains a lot for why people in America who live in one of the most, let's say, available uh, nations around Mm -hmm. that has access to the word of God, and yet so often we're living as if we don't have that access, and it's because we're not taking advantage of it. We're not availing ourselves to what we have and you get other countries jack and i know you've seen this yep. and there they they don't have this opulence that americans have but they have the joy of the lord yes because they have made themselves mm-hmm. available to the holy spirit yes. because they've realized uh, it's not like choosing god out of all of my other likes i don't have anything else but i found the th- one thing that is worth them all that is worth more than them all I love that, Mike. When God says, I am the vine, you are the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm sharing this with our listeners, not to quote the word of God or say, you got to or you better listen. I haven't gone to church once in 30 years because I had to. Every single thing I've done for the Lord is because I want to. I can't wait to get up in the morning and spend time with the Mm -hmm. Lord. I know the difference. I have so much respect for kids who accepted Jesus as a little kid. They didn't taste everything of the world, spit it out and say, okay, God, now I'll come to you like I did. They had faith right away. Man, what a reward they're going to have in heaven. What a blessing. Mm-hmm. And and it, the word is available. It's tragic. A buddy of mine, a 50-year-old buddy of mine called me. He's been clean and sober for a year. He said, I wasted 40 years of my life doing drugs. And you know n- now I know about God. And I go, well, you need to spend some time with God. You know, Have you ever opened up the Bible? He said, no, that's not for me. I'm like, that's not Just for you? Just instantly dismissed it. Like, you know, I talked to God, yeah. you know, a higher power. And I love AA and NA programs. And, but, but, but no 
no desire. And so what I share with people, Mike, instead of trying to ram the gospel down their throat, and by the way, I have a lot of respect for the different styles of how people preach, because I have seen the salvations come from people, you know, doing everything mm-hmm. different. God's working in everybody who, who truly is faithful. But what I try and do is point out what they might be missing. And all I can tell them is, here was my life before God, here's my life after. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all I say is, perhaps, you, perhaps you're missing it. Why wouldn't you take a look? The great line that the guy said to me in drug addiction, uh, when I was talking about going into rehab, and he said to me, I have a lot of respect for you. If you climb to the top of the mountain, look down, tell me you don't like what you see. I have no respect for you if you won't go look. And that line actually got me into rehab. Wow. I'm like, you know yeah. what? He, he's right. I got to see for myself. Yeah. I love the uh, line from the Bible. All I know is I was once blind, ah. but now I see. And when the, your eyes have been opened up to the goodness of God, mm-hmm. and you understand that what was written about him is not only nice poetic words, it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the real deal. So here's this young Jewish guy that really didn't even want to be part of the Jewish tradition in in your growing up years, meets the the Lord and you have an experience with him. And even with that, as powerful and as good as all that was, his patience and his mm-hmm. grace, they were identified in your life, right? Yeah, I, I was broken at 36 years old. I had gotten divorced um, from a girl I married, and that divorce you know, was definitely my fault. I wasn't obedient to God. I didn't love her as... Christ loved the church and never considered the two of us one. And uh, I was at a business I owned, a TV production company I owned 20% of. I had built it from zero to doing a lot of money. I thought we'd go public. And the guy who owned it, owned the 80%, was stealing. Don't ask me why you'd steal when you own 80%, but he was doing drugs himself. And I'm 36 years old, Mike. I had just gotten divorced. I had given my wife $50,000 cash. That's all we had. I said, take all the money. Just leave me my 20% in this company. She said, no problem, your partner's an idiot. <laughs> this was the most amicable divorce in the history of mankind. And we had no children, which made it you know, much mm-hmm. easier. So within a couple of months, he was stealing, and I, and I was out of, out of the business. And, and I'm sitting there at 36 with nothing. I'd been saved three years. And, and, and I was jealous of my friends from high school. It wasn't that they were rich, but they'd been working for 16 years, even from college, 15 years. They weren't thinking, what am I going to do next, or how am I going to make a living? had careers in life, sitting there at 36 years old, and God just gave me Matthew 6.33. I said, God, listen, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll shine shoes on the street corner. I don't care. I just need you. I mm. have to be with you. And God gave me Matthew 6.33, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will come. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about stuff. It was, I, I need to go to this day. I feel that same love and connection and joy and, and as a father myself, I know how much I love my kids. We get a glimpse of how much God loves us mm-hmm. when we see how much we love our kids. Beautifully said. Jack is uh, my guest today, Jack Allen Levine, author. We're going to talk about that. His books, there are a lot of them, my friend. We're going to be back with Jack in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, 
EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Here in the Shepherd Studio with Jack Allen Levine. Jack is uh, really one of these guys. He's a speaker. He knows a lot of people. He's been a, a, a broadcaster in the sense of a television production uh, executive. He is involved in writing books. I don't know. How many books have you written? About 12. Wow. Yep. That's just amazing. You've just told us a, a real compelling story. And it is a story that is sadly much more common than we would like to think at 36, really just kind of without anything going for you at all. You had known the Lord, you had met the Lord, but uh, was still at that stage of, uh, of growing and things weren't yet being subtracted, if you will, from your life. And yet with that, God speaks. And I found in my life, Jack, when God speaks as he did, and you come to that place where you said, I'll go wherever mm. you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Now, that's a different kind of an attitude than what you hear commonly in this day and age. Yeah, I lived for the world, Mike, you know, for all those years. I had everything the world had to offer and was miserable. I had money, sex, drugs, gambling, anything you could think you want, power, position. And, uh, you know, when, when God talks about die to self and, and John says, he must increase, I must decrease. I mean, that is the secret, the formula. It's amazing to me that people won't do what God says. Now, I do understand it because I have three kids, and my youngest is 18, and uh, I tell them about life and this road I've been down and what to expect, and they tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I say, let me get this right. I've been down the road, and I've seen it. I'm telling you what's there. You who haven't been down the road ever is telling me I don't know what I'm talking about. And God says to me, now you know how I feel. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Now I get it. Yeah, I've heard lots of stories about those same kids three years later when they're 21 saying, boy, dad sure learned a lot in the last three years <laughs> because their good. eyes are going to be opened up. And, That's you know, good. you're right. The, it, this whole thing of life, it's it would be nice if it were simple and uncomplicated mm -hmm. and everything worked just the way we would think it should work, but it doesn't work that way, right? No, and it's a gift. I mean, this realization that not only is our salvation a gift and the Holy Spirit a gift, but this life is a gift. And, and Mike, 10 out of 10 people die. We just disagree with God on the circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, this baby, this young woman. And, and yes, it's absolutely tragic, but we have to trust. God says, you know, now you know in part, then you'll know in full. My ways are higher than yours. My kid, when he's sitting there in the crib, had no conception of what a 529 plan was, how we were doing before he was out of his mother's womb. We loved that kid. We were planning for him in his life. I get it. I get when God talks about, you know, he's heaven, my place in heaven is reserved. He's got it reserved. He's planning for me because I see and mm -hmm. I see all I want to do is bring my kids joy really I, I just love to see them joyful so for me you know th this this acceptance and knowledge of God you love me you love me no matter what and and, and that's all I need I have my place is reserved the example I give to people Mike is you walk into McDonald's you're starving for lunch you go and you order two Big Macs and fries and a Coke and the food comes up and you realize you forgot your wallet and you're like, oh, crap. Well, they don't know me at McDonald's. I'm not getting free food today. So guess what? I'm going hungry for lunch. But tonight I got a freezer full of filet mignon steaks. 
And as soon as I get home, I'm putting two on the barbecue. And, and this is life on earth. God never said it would be easy. Mm-hmm. He said there'd be trials and tribulations. He's going to use them to mold us and shape us so our joy would be complete. We do the same for our kid. We take him to the dentist, let the dentist put the drill in his mouth. Kids screaming and crying. No, 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 because I love you. I want you to eat the rest of your yeah, life. Right. You just don't understand. Yeah. So it's easy for me to say, I'm, I'm the kid. God, you're God. I know you're real. I know you love me. I know I'm going to heaven. I have immortality. What would people pay for immortality? What could possibly be the problem? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and for me and, and you and, and you know, us guys who are over 30 <laughs> will admit to that. I mean, listen, you know, we have nothing to complain about. And uh, just everything you know, is, is wonderful. It's great to be alive. It and, is. And I don't see how anybody could see it differently. I just hit the big 7-0. So. All right. Congratulations. Thank you. There's yeah. hope for me. There's man, hope. if you look as good as you do at 70, <laughs> man, Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay in the game. Oh, you got to stay in the game, man. It, this is really great. And, and I wish that a lot of the young people that are out there today in jobs and, you know, there's so much that's going on in the culture. I think there's so many things that they've been lied to for mm. so long in the culture, through the media, you know, you're, you were in uh, Ma- Madison Avenue yes. executive, yes. Uh, TV executive in Florida. Yep. You, you've seen the kind of way to package something and to make it look yes. like it's really something when on the inside, it's really nothing. Well, that, that was my job was to get you to buy stuff you didn't want. As a matter yeah. of fact, in one campaign, it's agency I worked with. We actually got you to take baking soda and flush it down the toilet. Seriously. We wow. came up with the concept. You're going to buy, here's what you're going to do. You're going to buy a product and you throw it away. Flush it right down the toilet. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, but Mike, this is what Satan does. It's the lie of the devil and the lie of the world that, you know, God can wait. God, God, God understands, you know, God, God's not real. That's not what he meant. It's back to Adam and Eve, right? And, and, and listen, all I can share 30 years later is the blessings I've received from God the peace and joy and happiness that I could never get from the world, from anything. It's so real. It's so amazing. It's better than any Mm -hmm. drug. It gets better and better and better. And, uh, you know, again, I just challenge people to experience it for themselves and tell me you don't like it. You know, I I mean, just find out for yourself. If I told you there was gold in my backyard, you might not believe me, but you'd come take a look because you'd be scared to miss it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, this this life, if if you don't have God, so you get these 60, 70 years, whatever you get. Good. God says that's all you get. Yeah. So if, if you really don't believe in God, then you should just do whatever you want. Yeah. What's the difference? Right. Right. I, you know, it, it's so true. Uh, the greatest uh, treasure of all is right there. You know, I think of that old, there's an old book called Acres of Diamonds. Mm. And I think so many people are doing what the book uh, kind of describes, that we're looking for that peace. We're looking for those rewards someplace else when he's got them right in our backyard. And in this scenario, it's right in the word of God, right there, that thing, that place that we've not paid attention to, or we've not bothered to look into is the beholder of more treasure than we can think. And that guy in the Bible, the the parable about the guy that found the treasure and sold everything else to be able to secure that, that piece of uh, that tract of land, so to speak. I love in um, in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 112 or Psalm 116, it says, what will you render to the Lord for the benefits he's given you? Mm-hmm. And if you just read through Ephesians 1 or 1 Peter, you'll see all these benefits. I mean, salvation adopted us as sons, forgave our sins. <laughs> yeah. And it just goes on and on. And, and when you think about that, it's so amazing. 
it's just so amazing the, the treasure we have now just to know God personally. Right. And, and I was had a Catholic buddy of mine the other day, and we were talking, and uh, he said, "Well, our our religion is more family. You know, we don't we know other denominations believe individual. It's an individual relationship." And I'm going, man, you know, but it is. I mean, I said, I think you're missing it. I said, I understand the family part, but you're telling me that the Catholic religion, and by the way, no disrespect, I'm not saying that they don't love God and I'm not questioning their salvation. I'm just saying that that they're telling me that I can't interpret the Bible, that the pastor and priest has to interpret it for me because I can't understand. So that's like telling my kid that he can't hear from me directly. It's just mm-hmm. not in the Bible. And, and I understand all denominations have, and all yeah, religions have their sad. own book and their own stuff, and they point to that. So people always say that to me, and I say, yeah, well, we have a book. You know, the Mormons have a book. The Muslims have a book. Everybody's got a book. So why would I believe your book? I say, my God's real. Go meet him. Go meet him and come back and tell me that, that he's not there. You know, mm-hmm. go, we talked about it, open up the book of John and, and study it for four weeks and spend 15 minutes a day and, and say, Jesus, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. And then come back and tell me after four weeks that God didn't show up because he said, if you'll seek him, you'll find him. So if mm-hmm. you go to seek him and you don't find him, he's a liar. Prove it. Yeah. Don't believe anybody else. Now, I know in your story, there was an individual who challenged you to do just that, to get into the book of John. Yep. And it came as you sat kind of unexpectedly in a church auditorium just to find a little bit of solace and quiet maybe to pray maybe to cry your eyes out uh but then the pastor really did a number on you by challenging you oh my gosh mike if he hadn't said to me that day uh, you never have to come to church again he said it'd be a good thing if you did but it's not a requirement to have a relationship with christ that you come to church he said you'll learn more quicker but the only requirement is that you believe in jesus he told me you'd be, I would have ran for the hills, mm-hmm. you know, if it was organized. But he just challenged me to go read, and I read, and I had questions. I didn't understand, you know. I read about the rich young ruler, and it says in the Bible, "Sell all you have and give to the poor." I said to the pastor, "How could we live here in Boca Raton, where I lived at the time, and have all this money and all this stuff when God says, sell to the poor, uh, so give to the poor, and sell your possessions?" And he very lovingly showed me the best lesson I ever, I ever learned was, Jack, you need to read the Bible in context. Yeah. And you read through yeah. the chapters before and after. So the rich young ruler, for him, money was in his way of the kingdom yeah. of God. It yeah. was his idol. So he needed to sell to sell all he had. Yeah. Not not everybody. It wasn't a matter of he having money. Money had him. Money had him. Like drugs had me yeah. And, yeah. And, and other things have other people. And look, I see people who don't have drug problems, who don't have idolistic problems of money, who are so busy being busy. And doing the next thing to pass time and mark time. And they're missing not only themselves, they're missing the kingdom of God. And I think that's that's a tragedy too. So I am so grateful that God brought me, and it was God who brought me to that church that day and to that pastor who I, I sat under for 20 years and learned on her. Isn't that and, great? And, and Mike, yeah. as a retired pastor, you will appreciate this. Um, to this day, I wouldn't know it was a Baptist church if it didn't say it on the door. Because all I ever heard him say in 20 years was Jesus says, Jesus says, Jesus says. Mm-hmm. I, I only heard him point to the word of Jesus. And he said to me this, he said, don't put your faith in me because I'm going to let you down one day. Your faith needs to be in Jesus. That's and, right. and I share that with people, you know, when they talk, look at pastors and pastors that fell and this and that. And Listen, God didn't fall. And we just need to listen and trust God. It doesn't take away Charlie Lau, we're back to baseball, uh, was an old catcher for the Kansas City Royals. His batting average in life was about 162. He was known as the greatest hitting coach in baseball. He could teach it and talk it better. So Then he could actually perform play, it. Then he could perform. So pastors are not perfect. We talked about right. you know being perfect. 
but but they're teaching so you know they're teaching learn what the teacher is teaching don't judge the teacher judge the material wow speaking of material you've written all these books <laughs> And one of them that I have in my hand right now, it's not a small book. I mean, I've seen dictionaries <laughs> that would be smaller than this book, man. It's called Downloading God. How did uh, that come about? Well, What's the introduction that caused you to say, hey, I need to write some stuff down? Mike, I started in 2010. I wrote my first book, Don't Blow It With God. And uh, I was looking around at my bookshelf at all these guys who were dead who were impacting my life today. Ah, and I'm thinking, man, you know, I'm just going to write this down instead of, you know, I love talking to people. It's always about the one. It's always about the woman in the well. You know, it's always about that. But it's so nice to have this. So I wrote Don't Blow It With God, and I thought I was done. I said everything I needed to say. Some time went by, and more stuff came. I wrote Where the Rubber Meets the Road With God. And I'm going on and on, and I'm noticing the younger generation. Now we're back in about 2012. I'm noticing the younger generation it's like not reading some of the kids in, in, in music ministry and some of the people I went to. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just curious, why aren't you reading the book? Oh, the chapters are too long. You know, it, yeah, there were 20-page chapters. There were like 15, 20-page chapters. So I started to write in one- and two-page chapters, not because that's my style, but because that's the only way they would read. So Downloading God is one- and two-page chapters. You can start it anywhere, read it anywhere. And uh, people using it as devotional, I didn't write it that way. I also wrote Live a Life That Matters in the same format. And, and the titles are, I mean, this is written for people that to get their attention. There's a title in there, Can You Bet on God in Vegas? Um, you know, you, you're the dog. Uh, one, time, one time I'm sitting there and uh, I'm looking at my dog. Skasha, my German shepherd dog, great, great dog. And she's just sitting there and God says to me, you see the dog? And by the way, he says, not, not audibly, but in my spirit, see the dog? I say, yeah, God, I see the dog, great dog. I say, I see the dog? You feed her, right? Yeah, I feed her. I take care of her. She's got the greatest life. She's like so lucky. She lives with me. <laughs> and God says, she got nothing to worry about, right? You're always feeding her. You take care of her. You're protecting her. I say, he goes, you're the dog. Mm. And and so it's stuff like that. You know, we try to, but but the titles in there are, are you know, I'm a marketing guy. I'm an advertising guy. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to grab their attention. And I wrote a couple of books on uh, addiction. I wrote My Addict, Your Addict, uh, which was, a re it's a very quick read. And the purpose was the bottom line. Listen, Mike, you're a pastor. You know, the gospel is the gospel. Now, people want to hear different styles. It's like music. You want to hear rock and roll, reggae, you know, hillbilly, country, opera. The message is the same. My mm -hmm. baby left me. I'm sad. How do you want to hear it? <laughs> and, and it's the same with preaching and styles and that. So, you know, my job is to get to people as an advertising and marketing guy in a way they can understand. So if I got to talk slow, I talk slow. If I got to talk fast, I talk fast. But we want to get people the information, the bottom line truth. The gospel is the same no matter who preaches it. The message is the same. Addiction is the same. The mm -hmm. answer to recovery is the same. There's seven ways out of drug addiction. Pick one if you really want a way out. Some are more efficient and effective. If you said you want to go to New York, say, hey, you could fly. You could take the train, bus, hitchhike, walk, go on camel. They'll all get you there. Some are a lot more efficient and effective. But if you're not going to take any of them, what you're really saying is, I don't want to go to New York. That's fine. Just acknowledge that you're not ready mm -hmm. to go and see you when you are. But the truth is the truth always. So my job is to get to the bottom line truth in a way that people can relate and understand to. They may not agree. They may not like it. That's fine. But I never want somebody able to say, I didn't know. I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know how to get to heaven. I didn't know how to have a better life. I want peace, joy, and happiness. I didn't know what the secret was. I didn't know what the key is. Yes, you do. Now, wow. if you choose not to take it, that's on you. Now, you obviously have grown a lot farther along the path uh, toward the Lord than you were in those first couple of years of talking to that pastor there in, yeah. was it Boca Raton, I think you said? Yes. 
What did your parents, who were from a Jewish background, what are they saying about this newfound faith that you have and your experience with Jesus? It's a great question. Um, they love me very much. I had such wonderful, loving parents. I have an older brother, one older brother, greatest brother in the world, atheist, by the way. And uh, so my parents you know, didn't understand what was going on. My father said to me, so you're not Jewish anymore? I said, no, Dad, I'm as Jewish as I am white. You can't take it away from me. But I said, I only have one word to describe myself, and my only word is Christian. My pastor said to me, Jack, I want you to come you know, minister to some Jewish people. I said, Truman, I'll be happy to minister to Jewish people, but it doesn't matter to me if they're Jewish or not. I only have two categories, lost or saved, no Christ or don't. So my parents uh, love me so much. My dad passed away five years ago, but greatest father, my mom is still alive. The most wonderful parents, they, they just want to see me happy. They saw the transformation. Yeah. My mother said something amazing to me. She, and, and, I, and they've come to hear me preach. They have sat in the pulpit, heard me preach. They've read my books, um, which is a wonderful thing. And my mother said, you know, I really want what you have. And I said, Mom, you know, you can have it. And, and my father, when he was alive, didn't, and, and she can't. And I think, Mike, I think in their hearts, having, you know, grown up with grandparents who were in the Holocaust and stuff like that, um, I think they feel it would be a betrayal. I mean, they know Isaiah 63 mm-hmm. and 53. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they believe Messiah is coming. So all I can do is share, again, the truth with them and love them and, and just let them know that this is the truth. And they see, they see the transformation in my life. I, I'll tell you this quick story if you've got a minute. I'm in Lake Tahoe where 10 people uh, at dinner, my, my wife and 10 couples, and uh, I start to tell a story from the drug days when I was dealing in college as well. I had like 28 grand in a safe deposit box. I was bragging, uh, you know, what a great businessman I was. And the lady looks at me, my friend's wife, Yvette, across the table, and she says, why Jack Levine? I could never imagine that you would do such a thing. I went up after the dinner. I was crying in my hotel room. I said, God, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much that nobody could even imagine today that that was who I was. Mm-hmm. It's true. The changes that he makes in our lives, it's like we're a new creation. Yes. Oh, wait a minute. I <laughs> oh, think where, that's in the Bible. Where did we hear that one? That's right. Okay, my guest today is Jack Allen Levine. We'll be back with him for one more segment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. It's not every day that I get to talk to somebody that has written the book, and I mean literally written books after books. He's written 12 of them. Jack Allen Levine, a guy who's coming to the Lord, I think is one of the most interesting and really not not just interesting, fun stories to mm-hmm. hear how that it was that God brought you from a Jewish background, giving your heart now completely and living this life. I, I would say that if I've ever seen anybody, Jack, that's living it with a, a singular focus. That's mm. what that's what you are. It's either about the Lord or it's not. Amen. Thank you. And, and that's what I see about you. And I wish more people were like that. I wish I want, wish I were always more like that. And that's what I'm wanting in my own life. I want to be known singularly as the, as mm. one who 
loves Jesus and wants to do what the Lord will want us to do. Now we're living in a culture and you, I don't have to tell you this, but we're living in a culture right now that is confused and our own government Mm. is espousing things that uh, in 2000 years since Jesus have never been even thought of as being sensible, but we're, we're being asked to buy in on things like gender on things the, of of what is true and what is right that are so far from that mm. it's not even funny what what do you see happening in our culture today mike i agree with you i've never i've never seen times like this um i see satan at work um in hollywood in business in life on street whether it's fentanyl whether it's shootings whether it's you know homosexuality and, and again i have friends that are gay i love them very much uh, but I'm not going to say it's not a sin. I mean, it, it right. is what God says it is. So we see this world, nothing should surprise us. God said this would happen. He said the world would go to hell in a handbasket. He said people were going to turn against their parents. They were going to chase false idols. So all of this doesn't surprise me. What we are called to do as as believers, as followers of Christ, is to be the light in the world of darkness. Now, we don't know the hour of the day. We don't know if it's 10,000 years or today. I think back to the 60s when my... My brother was four years older than me and was a hippie. And my father was a conservative Richard Nixon guy. And there was tension and fights mm-hmm. in my oh, house. I bet there were. And my parents thought the world was ending. Can you imagine? I mean, you'd see the movie yeah. Jesus Revolution, mm. but I mean, that, they, they thought it was over. And yet yeah. it wasn't. And, and the internet doesn't scare me. Even with the bad information, I see my kids on the phone. I know they shouldn't be on it that much, but you know what? The only thing that's changed around man is the technology and the circumstances. Man's heart is the same. Mm-hmm. From the beginning, there was sin back in, in the old days. There was homosexuality, and, and I don't want to single that out. There was sin, there was adultery, there was theft. It was all, it's the heart of man that's evil. So the circumstances have changed. Our job is the same. Nothing changed. God said, you go be the light. You go be salt to a tasteless generation. Don't be surprised this is happening. Don't hide your head. Don't run away. Love these people. I think Love we them. could add one more thing. Please. Don't have a lack of hope because right. the Bible is full of hope, isn't it? Oh, man. Oh man, this, this is our faith. It, it, it's certainty. I, I mean, you know, we, we joke, you know, you put your life in the hands of the pilot every time you get on the plane of, of a thousand drivers mm-hmm. every time you're in the road, but you know, you won't, you, you won't trust God. You won't take a chance. No, it, it, it's hope and it's excitement. It, it, again, it's, I don't understand how people aren't happy to be alive. I know something stink. I know being sick stink. I know there can be spiritual, physical, financial, relational battles and problems. And, and God didn't say it would be easy. But he just said it would be worth it. Right. And, and I think just living is so great. And, and knowing that there's, there's more, there's another even better chapter that I, you know, it's just amazing. So I think that we can't get discouraged. We can't get defeated. We can't shake our head and say, and say no, we won't fight. It's too much. Look, our job, one person at a time, wherever we are, maybe we can't change the whole world. You know, God knows what's happening. No, God's not surprised, but he said, will you be faithful? I love Mike in the book of Revelation, where he's given the letters to all the churches. It always says, to he who overcomes, and then there's a blessing. Mm-hmm. I'll either write your name in white stone, I'll give you rule over this, I'll give you a new name. You know, to he who overcomes, to he who is faithful. So I'm, I'm inspired, not by what I see, but by the opportunity to just talk to people one-on-one and share you know, that, that there's a way, a better life. It doesn't surprise me what's happening. And nothing would surprise me. Nuclear war wouldn't surprise me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It, it's scary, but you're it's right. Scary. And all of the things that are going on right now do not make it any less true that God is a sovereign yeah. God. 
He's not like lost control of the world. It's not spinning out of his hand. I mean, Mike, when we were in kindergarten, there were air bomb drills. Yeah. Remember, we were under our desk oh, yeah. as little oh, yeah. kids. So Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, I mean, was, I, I walked through, uh, you're probably too young to remember this. You right. might have seen it, but I walked through department stores all over my, my town of my hometown of Evansville, Indiana, where there mm-hmm. were these yellow and black signs everywhere that were talking about where the fallout shelters were. Wow. Yep. And so we, it was very much on yep. top of mind back then that we had to be careful because nuclear war was felt to be imminent. Yes. Yes. And, and we had to be prepared. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm saddened by, by what's happening in, in a lot of churches today. Um, and, and I'm saddened that, that we're just like cocooning into our church and, you know, saying how bad things are. Oh, look at the world. And we love God. We're talking about the Bible and worshiping and praising. That's wonderful. But we need to be out in the world making a difference. I didn't say you had to go in harm's way and take a bullet. I'm just saying that, okay, well, I love to go to church. I love to be with other Christians. It's like being at a Bruce concert with Bruce fans, Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. fans. Right. It's wonderful. But now we're out there and, and we have a job to do and we do it by the way we live and that we show we care. We build relationships. We get the opportunity to share God. And if, if we bring one person, we may not know it. We may not know the impact we have. You know, you'll be up in heaven and people will run into you and hugging you and go, who are you? And they'll go, Pastor Mike, you preached a sermon back in 1972 in, in, in Indiana. You say, I don't even remember that sermon. Yeah, I know, but I do. And I got saved that day and I raised my family and these are my kids and my grandkids and you impacted a generation and that grandkids, the next Billy Graham, and mm. you, you didn't know what to happen. Now, sometimes we get a glimpse. Somebody will come up and say, thank you. You know, mm-hmm. it made a difference. And it's not, you know, Mike, I pray uh, for you and I and our Christian listeners that it's never about us. The first time I went to preach 22 years ago, I, I was worried what happens if nobody comes to the altar? I got down on my knees and cried. And I said, God, I'm so sorry that for one minute I thought this was about me. I am so sorry. Mm-hmm. My only job is to be prepared to deliver the message. What you do with it, you do with it. That is wise. That is absolutely wise. And I, it's sad how many pastors do live with a sense of guilt. And that contributes to a lot of burnout that's out there. Whereas if we keep our role understood, which is very minimal, but that's not to say it's not important. Yep. It is very important uh, that we keep our eyes on who it's really about. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. And Mike, I want to encourage everybody to love your pastor and, and to equip him and, and enable him. He's just a guy like you and me. He's got the same problems. His job is, te- is teacher. Another guy's policeman, another guy's baseball player, another guy's rock guy and UPS driver. He's just doing his job. He needs our love right. and support and encouragement. He's not God. And I, I knew right away I didn't want to be a pastor, uh, a senior pastor in any way, shape, or form because every move they make is watched. You know this. Mm-hmm. You're only as good as your last sermon. And, and your family, forget it. You know, they're going to get hammered too. I'm like, no, God put it on my heart to help these guys. <laughs> Uh, and speak, I love, and my, my friends tease me, he goes, you just lick the bowl. I go, I know, I know. <laughs> that, that's why That's why you guys are truly my true heroes. I mean it, because I get to tell people what to do and you know, walk away. You got to listen to them every single day when they don't do, when, when the answer's there. Here's what God says, do what God says. Yeah. No, I won't do that. You know, here's the answer to addiction. No, I won't do that. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> my friend Danny, who was the leader of our church, taught the, our entire congregation that there's no difference, he said, in what you do and what I'm doing. He said, my my task that God's given me is to serve the church in this way and to teach. Yours is to the, to do the same thing that my job is to do, and that's to represent the Lord. That's right. And that's what we're really called to do. We're called that's to right. represent him 
wherever we are. We've got a few minutes left. I'd like for you, if you could, to kind of speak to maybe that uh, the person who's a plumber or, or yeah. who's a businessman who feels that his life is maybe yep. just a little under what it should be because yep. he's not leading a ministry. I want to encourage you with the story of David Livingston, who was a pastor and missionary uh, to Africa, and he's since passed on. And on his deathbed, he said that he failed completely. His life was a complete failure, all his ministry and mission. He didn't see one conversion. He is credited today with opening the door of the gospel to Africa. Yes. There would be no gospel to Africa if not for David Livingston. Just like the people in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews chapters 11 and 12, who never saw the promises of God in this life. But we see, we see the impact they had. Noah's faith, Paul, you know, they, they heard from God. They, they knew they heard from God. Mm-hmm. That's why they moved. So I just want to encourage you, whether you're a plumber, a teacher, it doesn't matter. I want to encourage you that God loves you. God is with you. God said he'll never leave you or forsake you. He said before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you, and he has a plan for your life to give you a hope and a future. You just love God with all your heart. Do the best you can. Leave the outcome up to God. You're going to be blessed based on your obedience, not your accomplishments. Mm-hmm. It's not about God will accomplish what he wants through you, and you don't know what that is. Your job is just to love people with the love of Jesus. Let them see that and trust that that is enough for God. It's not about our works. It's about what God did. We need to rest in the joy that God talks about and the rest in in Hebrews when he talks about the rest for the children of God in God's finished work. And if we're sitting there stressing about the impact and legacy that we're making, it's not about us. It's about loving and trusting God. You know, God says, uh, be still and know that I am Lord. And I stand on 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, one of my favorites, be joyful always. What part of that is unclear? There's no misinterpretation for that. Be joyful always. Give thanks in all circumstances. But God, I got a speeding ticket. Uh, you know, at 300 bucks, I missed my appointment. You might have died ahead in a car crash. God, God's got you. You have to yeah. trust it. So be who you are. Live for Jesus and, and be joyful. Enjoy the ride. I hate, Mike, when people say, well, when I get to high school, when I get married, when I get to college, when I retired, I want you No, if you didn't enjoy the ride, you're an idiot. Yeah, you missed the journey. That's it. I love that old saying, there's joy in the journey. And Amen. I think that's where it is. You know, and I also think about Moses. I, his, his life came up to my mind as I'm hearing you talk at the, this marvelous legacy that he leaves behind, led Israel out of mm-hmm. Egypt, and yet suffered his last legs of his life through those 40 years mm-hmm. in the wilderness, only to disobey and not get to go on into Canaan. So if he could make a mistake, the rest of us can make a mistake too and still be with God. And be forgiven. And it's the prodigal son, right? As soon as we turn back to God, he's loving us and forgiving us. He he said, as far as the east is from the west, I remember your sins no more. But we remember. Mm -hmm. We don't even need Satan to beat ourselves up. We're doing a good job, doing his job for him. (laughs) That's well said. Default to the truth of God. (laughs) (laughs) Author Jack Allen Levine, give us how people can get in touch with you. Sure, Mike. And they can get free copies of my books. Every ebook is available for free. I hope it's a blessing to you at jackallenlevine.com. It's jackallen, A-L-A-N, levine.com. Go to forward slash ebooks, download any of the books for free. I hope they're a blessing. And I hope I'll see you around sometime. We've got one minute left. Tell us what's ahead for you in the next year. I'm so excited. I'm working on a biotech company that's looking for a chemical cure for drug addiction and and a telemedicine company that's looking to help people struggling with drugs. I get to speak at men's conferences and and minister and pastor at different churches on Sunday. So I just say yes to everything. I love every opportunity God's given me. I see his hand on all of it. 
Uh, but most important, Mike, I, I can't wait to get up in the morning and spend more time with God. I love God that. says, come closer to me. I'll come closer to you. He's not a liar. It's true. He's shown me great and mighty things. I didn't know I want to encourage everybody not to miss that blessing. It's available to so all of us. So you're available. If pastors need a, a break Always. on a Sunday, that, that, that's my favorite. You. That's my favorite thing. Uh, the short notice one is, is good. If I'm not preaching somewhere else, I have that freedom at my church. I serve as executive pastor, but I have the freedom to be anywhere, anytime. I have the feeling that you're one of those guys that are ready in season and out. Amen. Jack Allen Levine, thank you for being with me here today. And friends, we thank you for joining us as well. We'll see you next time on Afternoons with Mike.